Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Warren and I bring you news about Christian ministries, as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, the COVID-19 crisis is having a significant impact on church giving. A new survey gives us the details. Also in today's program, the COVID crisis is giving churches an opportunity to shine. One of LA churches has given out over 350,000 meals to the people in its neighborhood. Plus, Samaritan's Purse, which has come under fire in New York City, has found an unlikely advocate. All that and a lot more on today's edition of the Ministry Watch podcast. We begin today with that survey Warren just mentioned. 65% of churches have seen a decline in giving since mid-March. The main reason for this decline has been that congregations have halted in-person services, which is where most of people give. Yeah, it's called the State of the Plate Survey, and it was released on Wednesday of this week, April 22nd, by the National Association of Evangelicals. And they found that a third of churches, about 34 percent, reported that giving had dropped between 10 and 20 percent. But one in five churches said that the decline had been between 30 and 50 percent, a huge drop. Almost a tenth of churches uh, reported a drop of more than 75 percent. So this is a huge problem. Yeah, and just 8 percent of churches said that giving had increased, and 27 percent reported steady offerings. Yeah, the survey was conducted between April 8th and April 20th. 1,091 mostly Protestant churches participated. Now, Brian Cluth, who started the State of the Plate research after the 2008 financial crisis, predicted that the findings could lead to tighter budgets for congregations and their staff members. Yeah, what's surprising, Brian Cluth said, is that they're much deeper and much more far-reaching than what happened during the recession. Uh, This is a major shift a short-term shift in the financing of churches that's going on right now in America. Now, the survey also discovered that almost half of churches are reporting significant increase in online viewership of their services. Well, that makes sense, I guess you could say, because, you know, congregations can't meet face-to-face. And I guess it is a good thing that they are at least getting together uh, over the Internet, Uh, though some church watchers, including the Barna organization, Uh, are beginning to wonder if churches will ever get back to normal after losing a lot of the face-to-face congregants to online. It's too early to tell, of course. We don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah, and by the way, the Billy Graham Center of Exponential Leadership Network survey released Tuesday confirmed the NAE survey that uh, found that 60% of pastors have seen a decrease in giving there. That's right. And speaking of Barna, as I did a moment ago, Barna surveyed pastors in late March and also found a sharp decrease in giving. Almost 8 in 10, 79% to be precise, reported that financial giving had decreased with close to half, about 47%, saying that it had gone down significantly. Now, Warren, I know you posted a story this week on advice for giving during the COVID crisis, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the program as well. But I think a key piece of advice to people here would be just don't stop giving to your church. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you're also right that I will have more to say about that 
later in the program. Until then, let's highlight one more way that COVID virus has hit churches, and one denomination has been hit particularly hard. Yeah, the Church of God in Christ— Kojig is the way some people sort of uh, abbreviate that denomination. It's a large uh, African-American Pentecostal denomination. Multiple bishops and clergy members from within that church have died of COVID-19. At least a dozen, and perhaps as many as 30, have died, at least according to a report from the Washington Post. And that seems strange that so many would die within a single denomination. Are there any theories as to why that's the case? Yeah, there are. The Church of God in Christ holds large regional meetings each year in February and March, and two of those regional meetings, the uh, so-called Historical Louisiana First Jurisdiction, which took place in Shreveport, Louisiana, and the Kansas East Ecclesiastical Jurisdiction Ministers and Workers Conference, that's a long title, but it's basically a regional meeting for that denomination, took place in Kansas City. Uh, they were both held in mid-March, and both have been linked to COVID-19 outbreaks. Uh, the denomination has since closed down its national headquarters, its national publishing house, and canceled all international and uh, U.S. events, as well as upcoming major conferences and meetings. And they've also called on local leaders to stop gathering as well. And I understand that one jurisdiction was particularly hit hard. Yeah, it's a kind of a tragic story. The denomination's first jurisdiction of Michigan is that one that's been so hard hit. Two bishops from that jurisdiction, Robert E. Smith and Robert L. Harris, have both died, and five superintendents just from that one jurisdiction. It's been a devastating blow. Wow, that is a tragic story. Now, Warren, before we go on a break, an update on a COVID-related story that is decidedly less tragic. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, Natasha, you might remember that I mentioned the Dream Center of Los Angeles and how they were providing meals uh, to people uh, in the neighborhood. I mentioned at that time, for example, that Chick-fil-A uh, had been donating food as well as other organizations. Well, we weren't the only news outlet to pick up on that story, and the donations just started pouring in, both food and money donations, and Pastor Matthew Barnett immediately started expanding the feeding program because of all these new donations. And this week's program hit a remarkable milestone. It did. This week, the center passed the 350,000 mark of free meals provided just since mid-March. That's barely over a month. Uh, the Dream Center is in Echo Park, uh, which is a kind of a neighborhood in Los Angeles, and it's open between 7.30 in the morning and 6.30 in the evening, seven days a week, and it provides volunteer-prepared meals as well as donated food from restaurants. I mentioned Chick-fil-A a few moments ago, for example. And not just to families, but also to children from the Los Angeles Unified School District. Uh, kids that were getting free lunches at school wouldn't have food if it weren't for the Dream Center providing free lunches to them now that school's out. Wow, that is such a wonderful story and so encouraging during this time. Thanks for sharing that. Now, you can read more about this story uh, by going onto the Ministry Watch homepage. The story is right on the front page there. Warren, we have to take a quick break, but when we return, a defiant Louisiana pastor gets arrested. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we'll be back after a short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. 
Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Weekly Podcast. Up next is a story I promised you before the break, a story of a Louisiana pastor who has run afoul of the law by holding services in defiance of the local ban on mass gatherings. Yeah, he has run afoul of the law, but you know, that's just a misdemeanor, and this story is a whole lot more than that. In fact, it has something of a twist. Uh, Louisiana authorities arrested the pastor in central Louisiana, which is a suburb of Baton Rouge, the state capital, but he wasn't arrested for holding the mass gatherings, but rather on an aggravated assault charge. He admitted, in fact, that he drove the church bus towards a man who had been protesting his decision to continue holding the mass gatherings. Uh, The uh, pastor's name, by the way, is Tony Spell, and the police department in Central, uh, which, as I said, is a suburb of Baton Rouge, said that uh, on a posting on their Facebook page that Spell, who's the pastor of a church called Life Tabernacle Church, had turned himself in on the aggravated assault charge and for improper backing of a vehicle. Officials said that Spell also had a few outstanding traffic tickets. Now, aggravated assault charges are pretty serious. Is the pastor going to get any jail time for that? Well, it's hard to know right now, uh, but there are videos of the incident, and one of the videos shows the church bus making a sharp turn and then backing in the opposite direction of traffic on the shoulder to come to within just a couple of feet of where the protester was. Um, Spell acknowledged in a telephone interview with a local TV station that he uh, was driving the bus, that he was the man driving the bus. He also said that he wanted to get out and confront the protester, uh, but his wife talked him out of it. Now, Warren, almost every week, Ministry Watch does an investigation into a single significant Christian ministry. This week, you focused on Andrew Womack Ministries International. What did you learn? Well, we learned that uh, the prosperity gospel preacher, Andrew Womack, has become quite prosperous himself uh, over the last few years. Now, a lot of our listeners who don't watch Christian television may not even know who Andrew Womack is. Can you fill us in? Yeah, I think I can a little bit. I'll give you a few details. Um, In fact, I can also understand if people don't know who he is, because even though his ministry's been around for more than 30 years, it's only been within the past five or so years that it's really exploded in growth. Uh, It grew 60% from 2014 to 2017, and the annual revenue now exceeds $60 million a year, making it one of the 100 largest Christian ministries in the nation. And I understand that they're in the middle of a huge building campaign as well. 
Yeah, they are. In fact, um, uh, Natasha, they're not very far from you. You know, Colorado Springs is sort of a mecca for Christian ministries. Where Andrew Womack Ministries is, is in a little town called Woodland Park, which is uh, kind of uh, to the west of Colorado Springs just a little bit. The land there is a little bit cheaper, so they bought up 500 acres, and they've been on a building spree there. They've spent about $100 million in the past five years on construction for Andrew Womack Ministries International, for Karis Bible College. College and for radio and TV broadcast studios. So what has driven this growth? Well, I mentioned the radio and TV broadcast studios, and I would say that the TV in particular uh, has been a big part of the growth. Uh, Womack's Gospel Truth originally started as a radio program when it debuted in a single station in Childress, Texas in 1976. But in 2000, uh, it added the TV broadcast version. And from there, both Womack's audience and his donor list has just completely exploded. Has Womack himself gotten rich in this process? Well, Womack's personal wealth is difficult to confirm, but online sources put it between 10 and $12 million. According to the ministry's Form 990, which, of course, we here at Ministry Watch like to look at, Womack and his wife, Jamie, make just under half a million dollars a year. Now, Womack once declared that he would never go into debt to build his ministry. The Ministry Watch investigation found that the ministry actually has quite a bit of debt. Yeah, he apparently somewhere along the line changed his mind about that. Um, as Maybe as they were building, it, it became necessary to add on. I'm really not sure of the reasons. All I know is that the 2018 balance sheet um, said that the mortgages and the notes payable had grown about 500% uh, from $3.5 million to $15.5 million in the space of a single year. And over that same period, the total liabilities more than doubled from $11 million to more than $24 million. That all is quite interesting. Is there anything in this that's unethical or illegal? Well, probably not, but the ministry just went through a significant corporate reorganization that will likely make it a lot harder in the future to figure out what's going on financially there. It's also important to note that tens of millions of dollars go out of the ministry to builders and media companies that are for-profit organizations, and we can't see into these organizations at all. One of uh, those organizations, for example, is a company owned by Kenneth Copeland's brother-in-law. Kenneth Copeland is another prosperity gospel preacher who, by the way, is starting a new church right by Andrew Omax 500-acre compound. Now, all that said, Ministry Watch has not issued a donor alert uh, for this ministry, but we are definitely still going to keep a close eye on it. Now, Warren, we have to take another break, but when we return, the Ministry Watch COVID giving guidelines and an unlikely champion for Samaritan's Purse. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. 
Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. As I promised before the break, the story of an unlikely advocate for the Christian ministry, Samaritan's Purse. As you may remember from last week, Samaritan's Purse was set up a temporary hospital in Central Park. And you might think that help would be welcome, but a lot of New Yorkers have criticized Samaritan's Purse because of its biblical positions on issues like life and marriage. But one liberal New Yorker has reached out to Samaritan's Purse, and he's become uh, an unlikely ally, in fact, created a, a bond with the organization. Yeah, Whitney Tilson and his wife, Susan, were out walking their dog early one Sunday morning when they noticed workers unloading trucks and stacks of blue tarps in the East Meadow of Central Park, right outside their Fifth Avenue apartment building. So later that afternoon, Whitney Tilson saw some white tents rising up out of the ground bearing a name that he had never heard of. Samaritan's Purse. After learning the group was setting up the tents for a 68-bed field hospital to um, treat overflow uh, coronavirus patients from the Mount Sinai Hospital, Tilson left his apartment building, walked back to the park, and decided to lend a hand. That was four weeks ago, Natasha, and he's um, not given up. I mean, he continues to work. Over the course of the last four weeks, Tilson, who says he's not a religious person and said he had never heard of Franklin Graham or Samaritan's Purse, has become one of the field hospital's most dedicated volunteers and champions. He even has his own name tag. And he even recruited his three daughters to join him. Yeah, that's right. He's got three daughters that are kind of late teens, 17 to 23, and um, they're home from school, so they're around, and uh, he they've been working on the site there. I've seen some really wonderful pictures. We've got a couple of pictures of him at the Ministry Watch website. And in addition to that, though, he's befriended the, many of the staff. He's started out donating shovels and a sled that they could use to haul two tons of mulch across the muddy lawn between the tents to keep it from becoming a quagmire. But then he and his daughters decided that, well, you know what? We're not just going to buy the mulch and the shovels. We're going to use the shovels. And they've been spreading that mulch themselves. And according to the story uh, on the Ministry Watch website, he also donated thousands of dollars worth of bananas and apples and Starbucks frappuccinos, sodas, tomato chips, and other snacks for those who are helping look after the sick. Yeah, he's really kind of gone all in. Now, I should mention that Whitney Tilson is a retired hedge fund manager, and uh, he also runs an investment newsletter now, so he's got some pretty significant resources. But I think what makes him special is not the money he's invested, which has been pretty significant, but his time and reputation with his liberal neighbors. Uh, he says he's not, as I said, a religious person, and he knows that a lot of his liberal friends just don't like Samaritan's Purse, but Tilson calls Samaritan's Samaritan's Purse, an incredibly impressive organization. And he also said, every single person I've met has been a genuinely nice person and very competent and good at their job. And last week, he took a call from Franklin Graham, who wanted to thank him for his volunteer efforts. 
Yeah, Graham called Tilson and then later said that Tilson is a great human being. Those are Graham's words. Graham went on to say, he might disagree with me and I might disagree with him, but that's not going to stop us from working together to help people. In fact, Franklin Graham even invited Tilson to come from New York down to North Carolina to tour the organization's headquarters whenever the uh, travel restrictions are lifted. And Tilson said that he plans to take him up on his offer. He says that he's a businessman and likes to study uh, what he calls high-performing organizations, and he thinks Samaritan's Purse is certainly one of them. What a wonderful story. And you can read the entire story on the Ministry Watch website. Now, Warren, before we end today, I want you to talk about the guides to giving that you posted this week. Well, the COVID-19 crisis um, has motivated a lot of emails and phone calls to us asking for advice about giving. And I want to say, Natasha, that in general, we don't give advice about individual ministries. I mean, we try to provide data and information so that donors can use that information to make informed decisions. But we generally don't say you should give to this organization over that organization, unless it's really obvious that certain organizations are not doing what they need to do. Uh, Our mission is to promote transparency and accountability and wise stewardship on the part of the donors. However, I should also add that these are pretty extraordinary times. Uh, Normal giving patterns have been disrupted. We've already talked about how churches are having a lot of trouble with, uh, you know, kind of keeping their uh, dollars flowing and their budgets fully funded. Uh, Some people are receiving checks from the government that, by God's grace, they might be able to share with others. Uh, So while we don't want to be anyone's conscience, We do believe that there are some general principles that all donors can follow uh, when they're giving. Uh, Further, during this time of COVID-19, some needs are more acute and some opportunities are more leveraged than others. So it was kind of in that spirit that we put together a few principles and a few suggestions uh, that people should follow if, by God's grace, they want to step up and maybe do a little bit more during this time. And the first principle is to begin with your local church. Yeah, churches are really struggling, as we've already talked about in the program. And though many churches have transitioned to online services and online giving, many givers haven't fully made that shift themselves. And giving at most churches, as we've already identified earlier in the show, uh, Natasha, is way down. At Ministry Watch, we believe that one's first responsibility is to the local church. So we want to encourage everybody, before they start thinking about other giving that they want to do, make sure you're current with your giving at your own church. And the second principle is to give locally. Yeah, you might even say, to use biblical language, the second is like unto the first. I mean, if the church is your local community, look around elsewhere in your local community and give there before you you know, kind of look off to national organizations. In fact, looking at your church might be a good place to start as far as identifying what those local ministries are. It's pretty likely that your church supports local ministries. Perhaps your church gives to the local pregnancy resource center or local gospel rescue mission. Find out what your church supports and magnify that effort during these hard times. Your church, by deciding to partner with those ministries, has already done the hard work of vetting that ministry for you. And you singled out pregnancy resource centers. Yeah, I did because uh, it's tragic but true that many abortion facilities have stayed open during this time. Uh, That makes the work of pregnancy resource centers more vital than ever. And if you don't know 
the Pregnancy Resource Center closest to you, there are a couple of places that I'd like to recommend to you. Uh, Heartbeat International uh, has a global directory of pregnancy resource centers, and CareNet is another organization that has a U.S. directory. And by the way, Natasha, this article that we're discussing is on the Ministry Watch website, and we've got links to both of those pregnancy resource center directories embedded in the article. That is great. Thank you for posting that resource. Now, another group that you singled out was the local food bank. Why was that? Well, even during good times, your local food bank is active in providing food to the hungry and those with food insecurities. That means in part that they've already done a lot of the really heavy lifting of tearing down logistical barriers in the supply chain. They already have relationships, for example, with food manufacturers and food distributors, maybe the local grocery store chain that has damaged goods. All of that stuff um, is already in place. These food banks have a very efficient method of getting food to people who need the food, and they're able to get that food often either for free and it's, or at steeply discounted rates. They have trained volunteers and trained staff. So giving to your local food bank is a really highly leveraged way to care for those with food needs in your local community. And finally, you say to support your local gospel rescue mission. What's special about them? Well, during COVID-19, the problem of homelessness is magnified. Giving to homeless shelters is another way, like giving to food banks, of leveraging your giving dollars. Because once again, these organizations have already solved problems related to ministry and logistics. However, it's important to note that not all homeless shelters are created equally. Yeah, an organization that attempts to solve physical and material brokenness without also including a spiritual component to its healing work is ultimately destined to fail. And that's why we strongly recommend giving to the Christ-centered organizations that are a part of the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. At least that's what it's historically been called. Now it's called the City Gate Network. The City Gate Network has more than 300 member organizations. I know there's one here in Charlotte, and I also know there's one in Colorado Springs where you live, Natasha. If you want to find the one that's closest to you, once again, go to the Ministry Watch website, click on the story that we're talking about, and we've got a link to their directory right there in that story. And there's more great advice in the article Warren posted this week. Just go to ministrywatch.com to see the complete article. Yeah, along with that article is a list of ministries that receive both an A transparency grade from Ministry Watch plus a four or five star rating for financial efficiency. And if you'd like to read more about the stories we discussed on today's program, just go to ministrywatch.com and you'll find most of the stories right on the front page. If they're not there, or if you want to dig around in the Ministry Watch archives for hundreds of articles and other great resources, use the search engine, which you can find on the front page, to find what you're looking for. Also, before we go, Natasha, I want to mention that we've seen significant growth in the number of listeners to the podcast over the past two weeks. So I know we have a lot of new listeners, and I just want to say welcome to you. If you like what you've heard, uh, I hope that you'll be with us each and every week, and I also hope you'll tell a friend. And by the way, don't forget to rate the podcast using your podcast app. It's absolutely free. It only takes a few seconds. And because of the way search algorithms work, it really helps us out a lot. Our producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen Dubarry, and Casey Seddeth. 
Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Yonette Shimron, Jack Jenkins, Steve Raby, Warren Smith, and Ann Stike. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs. And I'm Warren Smith in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. May God bless you.